Welcome to Life Quest Liberty, live in-depth conversations with today's top writers, editors, and spiritual leaders concerning religious freedom around the world. On today's broadcast, we'll examine local and international factors that may be impacting your right to worship and obey God as your conscience dictates. I'm your Life Quest Liberty host, Charles Mills. For the past couple shows, we've been focusing our attention on long-ago writers who stirred the hearts of the faithful around the world. Today, we continue that focus with a man named Roger Williams. Who was he? When was he? And what do we need to know about him? Lincoln Steed, editor of Liberty Magazine, is here to act as our guide. Lincoln, the time is yours. Well, let's talk about Roger Williams. I like to think that many Americans at least are familiar with his name, but it may not be true. We have a very atypical U.S. president at the moment, and I doubt there's many people unaware of Donald Trump. But between presidential elections in the past, it was a minuscule proportion of the population could name the current president. Mm-hmm. As I remember, it was something like 6 10%, not many. Yeah. So probably Roger Williams is not well known, but certainly before the republic itself was formed after the War of Independence with England, Roger Williams was a towering figure and very influential on the men who formulated the U.S. Constitution and made up the principles that defined the United States. But Roger Williams was a man of the 1600s, born in 1603, lived till 1683. So in, at an earlier program, I bemoaned that many of these people that I'm keen on, they've died younger than me, but that's not so with Roger Williams, lived till 80 years old, which is not a a bad deal before uh, running water or certainly uh, indoor plumbing and yes. indoor toilets and so on, before uh, penicillin and, yeah. and uh, antibiotics that we have today. Not everybody lived to be 80 years old, yeah. but he lived at a very influential period. He grew up in England, and uh, as a teenager, he was basically apprenticed to Sir Edward Coke the famous jurist and chief justice of England, who most people know without knowing his name, was the one that made the comment that the Englishman's home is this castle, which directly led to the American War of Independence. Most people think that it was the tax on tea that most aggravated the common people in the colonies, but it was not so. The tax on tea aggravated the business people. Yes. What aggravated the common people was having... The British soldiers, who were actually mercenaries from Germany, Hessian soldiers, they were really aggravated that they were being lodged against their will in their homes, Hmm. which took away their sense of sacredness and the inviolability of their own homes. And it was against what Edward Koch said, that you should be protected in your home. And then there's still some laws. Like, for example, if someone breaks into your home, you have a a, a legal right to defend yourself. And and I'll I'll pick up something really odd. When the uh, federal authorities invaded and attacked Mount Carmel and ended up inadvertently, I hope, killing about 80 Davidians, Mm -hmm. a number of them were captured after they'd been shooting back and even killed a couple of their attackers. And I spoke to one of the men who was in there, and they were eventually released because... Even though it was federal officials came in shooting, you have a right to defend yourself and your property. It's, it's, it's a residual thinking that comes from Edward Koch and, uh, of course, was carried on by uh, Roger Williams. Shortly after those teen years, Williams 
took church orders, and he was going to be a Church of England minister. But he became a Puritan or a uh, non-mainstream boots and all Christian, okay. <laughs> holy living Christian, who uh, didn't like the formal type of religion. And that meant that he didn't go into the Anglican Church per se, but he graduated from Cambridge dabbled with some great families. Like at one point, he wanted to marry a Jane Wally, the niece of Lady Joan, who was a Cromwell. And I think it's the same Cromwell family that hmm. Oliver Cromwell represented, because we know that he was a friend and confidant of sort and met often with Oliver Cromwell, John Milton, who I discussed elsewhere. Right. So, uh, you know, this Roger Williams wasn't just a dissident who happened to turn up in the New World. He had a great history in England. He was at the center of the political and religious debate. And part of that was self-determination. It was not to be dictated to in matters of religion or civil liberties that you had inalienable rights, as Jefferson put in the uh, Declaration of Independence. But then Williams headed off for the United States or for the colonies, and immediately he was offered a post at the uh, Salem Church and he declined it because they were not separate enough from the state. He was adamantly opposed to established churches and the amalgamation of church and state. Then a little later, he was offered the pastorship, I guess you'd call it, at the Salem Church. And he didn't gain that until the pastor, the Reverend Skelton, died. But he was certain to create problems because even in England, he'd written an article against <laughs> the way things were with the established church and the mixture of church and state, and Parliament had banned his work. And luckily, he'd left to go to the colonies because he might have been in trouble. And he was so separationist in the uh, the colony, even though they wanted him to be their minister, that in the end, he was tried and convicted of sedition and heresy. And pretty much, well, he was ordered to be banished and as many Americans know from their high school studies, he, he headed off in the winter and was uh, sheltered by the Indians, who he'd always been kind to and believed that they were uh, worthy of attention because they were created by the same God that created us, which was not the common view at the right, time. Right. And then he ended up founding what became the state of Rhode Island and the settlement at Providence. But more than his historical dealings, it was his role in stating the principles of separation that clearly remembered and, and, and practiced by others won the day in the arguments as the Constitution was formed. You know, we've got to be honest, there were many, including Patrick Henry, that wanted an established church, wanted religion front and center supported by the state, but they were out-argued. And a lot of the reason was Roger Williams' strong advocacy you know, a hundred years earlier. He was well known and uh, had proved his point. Even though he was persecuted and banished, his views were persistent. You bring an interesting point into this thing, Lincoln. In the history of this country, so often we see a minority who is heralding truth overpower and overcome a majority who is heralding error. Could I be right in saying that? Yes, and what's going on is that a good idea and a true idea and a principled stand is more enduring yes, than yes. something advanced by force. Yes. At the time, the forceful view might damp down the other, but you can't keep a good idea down. No, <laughs> That's it, right. It, I like that. It, it, it has a longer half-life. Yes, it does. To yes, use it the, does. the language of uh, radioactivity, and yeah. it is radioactive because it's so valid. Yeah. 
And uh, I think more and more needs to be said about Williams. And I know once before on a program here, I mentioned that in in Geneva, Switzerland, they have a fabulous memorial there to the Reformation. And of course, from the Swiss point of view, it's John Calvin and Zwingli and others. Uh, And they're carved in a a long stone wall there, memorializing the greats of the Reformation. But on the fringes of that monument that, that has major figures of the Reformation, there is actually a record, a carved stone record of the Mayflower Compact so America is included, and they have a bas-relief carving of Roger Williams, hmm. Hmm. clearly recognized as a major Reformation and post-Reformation figure in Protestantism. Well, we need some Roger Williams these days. How can we, as just your normal citizen or a church member sitting in the pew, become a John Bunyan or a John Milton or a Roger Williams, as we've been talking about these last few years? principle. Okay. Something that's very interesting that I doubt very many people know, other than the few that have stumbled across it. But as I hinted before, Roger Williams had, had a rather atypical attitude toward the Indians. Yeah. You know, from Columbus on... All of the Western uh, settlers uh, trod heavily on the neck and, yes. and the, the livelihood of the Indians and often killed them like vermin. Mm-hmm. And, and an early pope even declared they had no soul, which is an amazing thing. But Roger Williams uh, you know, had a great uh, missionary zeal to them. But it was a bit more than that. As he led out in uh, this new settlement, he uh, banned by edicts and by his leadership, banned the slave trade which was not typical. The slave trade began up in New England. It didn't begin down south. And uh, so as long as he was alive, there was no slave trade. There were no slave ships that came into Providence. And it's very sad and ironic that after he died, they resumed it, and it became a major center of the slave trade, but not under Roger Williams. He was adamantly opposed to slavery on a biblical principle. So one individual, one person who has, by, by value of his truth, become a little more powerful than others can really make a huge difference in an entire state and in some cases an entire nation. Am I right? Absolutely. And, the, and part of the lesson I get out of Roger Williams, he was a networker. Hmm. He wasn't really alone. He was, I guess, that day that he, he actually fled... By himself, he left his wife and family behind at first. They had to join him later mm-hmm. as he headed off into the wilderness in the winter because it was under pain of being imprisoned or worse. But clearly, his connections with the revolutionaries in England, Oliver Cromwell and, and Milton and others, as well as his leadership in the church, showed that he was very integrated in his time and place. Uh, he wasn't just a lone voice in the wilderness. In fact, he appears to be a very gregarious man. And as he established Rhode Island, remember, all religions were welcome there, all peoples. It was the ultimate mixing pot, which to this day America affects, and and there's some truth in it, but not always fully realized. But it was in Providence, there's no question. And amazingly, it functioned quite well. Mm -hmm. 
Roger Williams, a good person for us to emulate today. Roger Williams. His idea of the uh, separation of church and state and the two tables of the law. There were certain moral things that the law could uphold, but as far as anything regarding God and man and our religious state, that was not for the state to uh, be involved in. All right. Lincoln Steed, editor of Liberty Magazine, sort of a modern-day Roger Williams, I'd say. He is the <laughs> editor of a magazine that that proclaims many of these principles that Roger Williams and others proclaimed, Amen. and that is wonderful. Lincoln, thank you so much for sharing with us today. Appreciate Always it. pleasure. And listener, until next time, this is Charles Mills along with Lincoln Steed. Two things, go to libertymagazine.org, and you can uh, subscribe to the magazine, read the articles, read Lincoln's blogs, and see some television programs, hear some radio programs at Liberty magazine. So do that, and we also invite you to rest in the freedom of God's love. Goodbye, everyone. If you'd like more information about LifeQuest Liberty, call 443-391-7258 or email us through our website at libertymagazine.org. Join us again next week at this same time as we examine more of the threats and challenges facing your religious freedom. May God keep the flames of liberty burning in your heart today. <laughs>